0: Welcome to Business as a Magical Practice, where your business is the vehicle for your self-integration and soul evolution. My name is Sam Garcia, and I'm the founder of Dirty Alchemy Digital Marketing. I'll be guiding you through how you can use your business as a spiritual practice, and what magical businesses are doing to hit their goals and change the world. Together, we'll be relating the mystical to the world of business, so that our work can unite spirit and matter, shadow and light, conscious and unconscious. Let's dive in. Okay. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Amanda Gibby Peters, the voice and founder of Simple Shui, a modern day mission-driven, love-based practice of feng shui. As a professional consultant and author, Amanda leads feng shui retreats and workshops in the U.S. and abroad. She contributes her expertise to influencers, thought leaders, and designers. So welcome to Business as a Magical Practice, Amanda. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. So I fell in love with Amanda through her Instagram and her 15 seconds of shui. She like has this, um, like she goes on Instagram stories and th- does this like super practical nugget of feng shui just in like, just like that. It's like one of those like little dopamine hits that you feel like are super productive and applicable to life. Um, and I'm just so excited to have you here and talk with you. And I know this is going to be a really, really useful conversation for people. Oh, I'm excited. I love having conversations about Feng Shui, especially when
1: people don't know a ton about it or they know a little bit, but they're confused um, because it's such a, like you just said, it's really practical. Actually, people tend to think it's a little more esoteric or out of reach, but in fact, there's just so much common sense wisdom. And when you have it broken down and explained in a, you know, really um, digestible or easy to metabolize way, it can be so motivating and encouraging. And you're like, I'm ready to feng shui my whole life. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So can you just tell us what feng shui is?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I have two definitions that I share with people. Um, and, and I share both because I want people to feel confident when they say that they're using feng shui or practicing feng shui for all of the naysayers that eventually, you know, are going to pop up and have their comments. So The first one is simply um, that your surroundings influence your well-being. Um, There's this nice little tidy story that I came up with. It's a really watered down version of feng shui, but it's, you know, feng shui has been around for thousands of years and um, it began really out of just some philosophers noticing how the cosmos and Heavens and earth all interacted, and they started noting patterns. And what they realized was, if a seed landed somewhere where the soil was rich, it got right the right amount of water, sun, not too much wind, it would thrive. Right, it would grow and thrive. But if something was missing, um, that seed would struggle. And it's the very same for us. You know, I I tell clients and readers um, all the time, like. If you're having a plant that struggles in your house or outside, very rarely do you grab that plant and go into the nursery and complain about the plant. Mm -hmm. You're actually curious about what you need to do to help it thrive, right? You want it to have its best life. And we don't show ourselves that same self-love, that same patience and curiosity. And so Really, feng shui is this understanding of how your surroundings, both the energy you see and the energy you don't see, are always in conversation um, and influencing your well being and happiness. So, there's that kind of like that's just a really very simple overview. And then, when you look at what feng shui means, you translate it it's wind and water. And wind is energy, water is fortune. You know, feng shui originates. From China, and so that that's what those meanings um, represent. And when you look at feng shui, wind, water, energy, fortune, the practice—you know—anything that you do to really align yourself with the energy of fortune is feng shui. Mm -hmm. So it's it's that simple. People tend to want to make it, you know, like I said, complicated or feel very woo. And in fact, it's not. And the only thing I would say that has a lot of elasticity there is that when you're talking about aligning yourself with fortune, that energy, fortune is a very big term. So instead of just thinking about money in your bank, or, you know, investments or income or savings, anything like that, I want you to think of anything that you feel would be necessary for you to truly experience a good life. And that would be fortune. So friends, family, health, well-being, access to resource, opportunity, um, you know, purpose and passion, all of those things in life really, you know, add up feeling prosperous um, and abundant.
0: That's so beautiful. And like to to lean into the woo, <laughs> you're yeah. leaning out of the woo, but to lean into the woo, um, like, it's just like with the, the ancient, alchemists, uh, the, the popular quote is as above, so below as within, so without, and it's often used in our community to talk about the inner work that we can do to affect our outer lives. But I love that you can also come from the outer and affect the inner, your inner experience of life. So it's just, I, I, it's like, it seems like a two-pronged approach.
1: <laughs> it is. And you know, the thing that I love about Feng Shui is I think sometimes it can be really hard. Like we haven't, you know, self attuned or taking the best care of ourselves. And so we sit there with journaling or meditation or affirmations. And sometimes it can be a very inflammatory process, because it we're, we're frustrated. And instead of doing all the heavy lifting ourselves, we can collaborate with mm. our home, so that it enhances our cheat. And, you know, this isn't, you know, it's not the idea of making everything better in one fell swoop. It's about those incremental opportunities to feel better that add up so that you can show up more fully. You can, you know, manifest more easily. You can radiate the energy that you want to attract because you are steeping in that energy in your surroundings, right? Like your, your space feels that way. So it is a conversation that always happen you're always somewhere right and that space is always going to be having a conversation and so you know when people say to me well i don't even know if i believe in feng shui it's not looking for your endorsement (laughs) it just isn't (laughs) if you have stuff and you have space feng shui is already happening around you so the more empowering question is how can i make what is working for me last or enhance it and what can i do to mitigate
0: or resolve any challenges or things that are getting in my way. Mm. So as someone who doesn't consider herself a naturally um, clean person or like has the inclination to like nest and make my space beautiful, um, what do you have to say? Well, so I think a lot of people think that, you know, there's this idea
1: out there that, um, you know, feng shui is having a minimalist space or, um, you know, being super OCD or uh, like a perfectionist. And those types of people do gravitate mm-hmm. toward feng shui um, and for very different reasons. But here's the thing. It's about you loving your space. So I would never go into a home and look at it from a a template of of objectives or criteria. What I want to know is how do you feel in the space? And if you are at, you know, you're creating at a level that you're, you know, really you feel good about, you're sleeping well, you are really loving what's happening in your life. I'm not gonna come in and say, hey, well, here's what good Feng Shui says. I was just on a call with a a a group of students earlier today and i said just that like the ultimate goal in feng shui is love right like when you think about what everything comes down to love or fear and if you love your space you're not going to out sway that so i would never recommend doing shui just for the sake of shui really what it is is when you're trying like i said a minute ago to enhance or improve something to mitigate to protect or even to help navigate through challenges. You know, there's an idea too out there that, oh, if I function in my life, nothing bad will happen. You know, if that were true, I really would be a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, but what it can do is it can help you move through struggle and challenges with a lot more grace and certainly confidence because you are, instead of wishing or worrying, you are pairing intention with action in your space. And
0: then that is being reflected back to you. So do you have any favorite client transformation examples to share with us? Mm, I
1: have so many. many? (laughs) (laughs) I have so many. Um, There's one I'll tell you. Um, And it was actually one of my very first clients. So, and she and I are are really good friends now, but um, it was, it was horrible. So I was, I was recently out of school you know, I've been certified. I've been studying it for a while, but I wanted to, you know, there's what you read in books, but then there's getting in class (laughs) and getting the wisdom passed on. You know, feng shui is a very oral tradition. So so much of what we learn gets passed through our teachers and our mentors and our masters. So anyway, I was fresh out of class and someone had reached out to me who had had a very traumatic experience. Her um, ex-fiance had was really upset and had, um, burned down her house, um, and wanted, and, and had killed one of her animals. Um, and she wanted to know if she could rebuild the house where it was like, is this going to be bad? You know, is this going to be bad energy? Like what would Feng Shui say? (laughs) I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, I don't even know. This is so big because someone's asking me, um, and luckily, you know, you, when, when you are, when you do work with uh, when you get certified and you work with mentors and that you always have their wisdom and, and they're within reach. So I, I did reach out for a little guidance, but we decided, yes, yeah, she loved the space with the space ultimately represented for her was like, this was her first house. She had bought this with her money. It was such a source of pride. And that felt so much bigger than what he had caused. And so we did this whole you know, land blessing. We built the house with just every, um, every consideration of shui that was available, you know, in terms of the process. Um, we did a house blessing after we honored, you know, the dog that she lost. And, and there are a couple of really interesting things that happened. So after the house was done and she was living in it, the ex-fiance got out on parole and, um, you know, we had we had done some things for protection, like I said a minute ago, feng shui can offer protection. And we saw via her cameras that she'd had installed that he had passed the house, but he had never actually tried to um, break in. And eventually he was arrested again because he was too close and, you know, serving time now. But that was one affirmation of, like, whoa, you know, like what we did certainly reinforced intentions and other things that were put in place to protect her. So that was fantastic. But then, in terms of people being worried about, oh, well, this place has has such bad energy. When I met her, she was a hairstylist in a, a single rent space. Um, and today she owns three of her own salons. Um, she's created her own like hair extension line. Um, I mean, her life is absolutely thriving. And so it just really is a testament to not only the process of feng shui, you know, in, in struggle and trauma and, you know, challenging times where you're like, I don't even know what else to do. Wow.
0: That's amazing. And yeah. wow. What a first ever client. <laughs> I know. So when people are like, I don't know if you can help me, I'm like, I think I probably have you covered. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So have you always been an entrepreneur?
1: you know what no i actually um so i came out of college um in political science i worked in dc Um, i went back to school to get my master's in communication and so i freelanced and i wrote forever um and then what happened was i moved i moved to a new to us home in a neighborhood town that i didn't know and within six months a lot of things that Hadn't ever been problematic or just, you know, oozing pain. And I grabbed a book one day because I was at a really low point, opened it up thinking whatever I see is going to be the answer to my problems. And I saw feng shui and I read it. And so I took this very cerebral, you know, mindset of like, I just finished grad school. I'm going to show that feng shui is not real. I'll start a blog. And I started doing things in our home and it was, it it wasn't that I thought, oh, this is working, but I was intrigued to keep doing more things. Mm -hmm. And so there was initially that feel. And then some really big things in our life changed. And it just got to the point where I was like, I can't keep calling this a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Like at some point I have to realize something's up. And so I, I, you know, I say I retired the skeptic and became the student. And so that's how I ended up in feng shui. So no, I, I haven't always been an entrepreneur. I kind of thought I'd just be a professor at a
0: university. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and do, do you like owning your own business? And how has that process been for you? A lot of work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that, and I say that because
1: I think one of the things that I get most frustrated by is that when you're looking for, you know, when you're starting a business and when you're looking for guidance, there's an enormous amount of work that people tell you you need to have done, or, you know, here's what'll make you successful. And you don't hear enough behind the scenes stories about how either challenging or like disagreeable or (laughs) exhausting, all of that work can be. And I think that people judge someone's business or their success off of like, do they have a great site or how is their Instagram page or whatever? And I joke all the time that, um, I micro quit at least once a week, like I'm done. (laughs) started my little cleansing process (laughs) maybe
0: you just need a little bit more help
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's probably some truth to that this last year has been a lot a lot of work but no I just think that it's the whole um I love doing it because of the autonomy I love being creative I love being able to show up exactly how people need and want and desire in terms of feng shui um but I just always like to also be transparent and just say like it's it's not always glamorous. Um, and you know, you really have to have, as you know, um, you you need to know how to rally, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) you need to know how to rally. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I pull, I pulled the, my Instagram audience of for questions for you. And they're all like, how do we make more money? How do we like call in more abundance using feng shui? So I would love to hear your answer to that. And like, maybe also how you specifically use it to support your business. So for me, um, one of the very first things I did was, in
1: terms of setting myself up for success, was I set my my office up for success, you know? Um, and one of those things is making sure that you're in the command position, meaning that you can see anyone who's coming in. Um, I know that spaces don't always arrange, they're, they're not always arrangement friendly when you say like you need to be facing out and people prefer to have the desk pushed up against the wall, but if you think about a CEO or an executive, mm-hmm. you're never going to see them with their desk pushed up against a wall, right? Oh and gosh, and it's yeah. the same thing like with the mafia boss. Like the mafia boss is always going to be at the back of the room, being able to see anyone who's come in with the, with this solid wall behind you. Mm-hmm. That yeah. actually comes from the very origins of Feng Shui, which is this idea that you would have a mountain at your back and you could see the valley in front of you, and there'd be soft rolling hills to the side, so that you were embraced supported and protected from any of the elements right so when you're in command position that's really what you're creating and it's allowing you to manage the chi coming at you instead of like if your back is to the door having chi just come at you which feels like i didn't see that deadline coming or that snuck up on me or you know why are people talking about me behind my back all of those different experiences so Uh i would say for in terms of my personal practice having my office set up and um the other thing is is holding really good boundaries. So, you know, clearing my desk at the end of the day so that there's open space when I start and, you know, it's, it's available to whatever needs to show up, but then also leaving my office and shutting the door or shutting that down in a way that it's like, okay, I'm not working now. So I would say those are just really good personal practices in terms of calling abundance into your life. um, I would say one of the easiest things you can do is keep like you know the little succulents or jade plants and those are really friendly feng shui energy and it's because they retain water and if you remember at the beginning i said water is symbolic of fortune Mm. so it's like really holding on to that money energy for you um i would say pay attention to what's happening at your front door love up at your front door because the front door is the mouth of chi it's where you call in all of the opportunities to network to support yourself, to attract abundance, all of that comes in through the front door. And that is sort of how you greet the world. So the better your front door feels, the more attractive you're going to be to that abundance energy. Um, and then I would say definitely you need to be using the kitchen because that stove represents um, prosperity, you know, all the different prosperity on tap That's what your burners represent. So the more you're in the kitchen, the more you're using it, um, the more you're stoking that wealth energy. And the the thought behind that is, you know, if you go way back, when people had enough food to feed their family and friends, it must mean that they were wealthy. Mm -hmm. And then those friends and family would be strong, they could go off and earn more money and bring back, you know, to their family and community, and the circle of wealth and abundance and prosperity continued, right? And so that's really where that idea of, you know, working with your kitchen and using it um, can be great for stoking wealth. I mean, there's so many different ways. There's a whole list of different things, um, and some of them are more specific to your house, but those are really easy
0: things that anyone could do. I know. I hope I'm, like, tempted to, like, pause this right now. Let me just move (laughs) my desk over here, (laughs) also funny because i i i live on maui and i am there's literally a mountain right here and ocean right here like i'm i'm oh, close wow. i'm close i'm on close to the coast so it's like we look out in our backyard and there is a mountain right there and a um the ocean right there and i've i've read um there's a i forget who the author is but a couple of years ago i read uh like hawaiian feng shui of someone who like lives on on the islands and like has oh, nice. his interpretations of it and it's just really cool to, to be like, oh, I'm actually in a, in a physical environment where this is kind of made for. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you're also
1: getting that really like delicious lanchi, right? Like that's very, you know, when you think about the very beginnings of feng shui, it was, you know, it was, it was, it, they used it to find auspicious burial spots for royalty. And so that was the idea. You wanted the mountain behind and the view Mm -hmm. in front so it pleased the ancestors. And so when you're reading that topography, Um, A lot of times that's dismissed today because people think, oh, feng shui just applies to what's happening in my house. But in fact, what's happening around your house is also part of that conversation. And so while there's not a ton you can do about it when you're in a space necessarily um, without working with with a practitioner to learn Mm -hmm. very specific remedies, Mm -hmm. when you're looking for a new home or you're relocating, that's when this information
0: can be really helpful. Mm, Interesting. So one of the things I... I found interesting when I started kind of like digging in and I know it's like this super vast body of knowledge, but I, in, I feel like there's a really big, um, trend right now, at least in like branding and visualization to have like these big, clean white spaces and it, it, tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't there like a lot, there's wealth in, they use dark colors for wealth in feng shui. And I like, I noticed that your office is, is actually darkly colored. And the pictures you share on Instagram, it's like, these like really rich greens and red or in purples. Um, (laughs) Tell us about colors. (laughs) Yeah. So, so the
1: colors are when people see like that feng shui map, um, you know, the bagwa or the compass map, you know, they're both very similar. Um, But they see the colors and they assume that certain colors represent wealth or certain colors represent, you know, the different areas that are mapped out. But they're actually more in relation to the elements Mm. that are at home in those areas. And so, um, you know, white... Is interestingly enough um, represented of the element metal, mm-hmm. and metal is a very creative color. So it's not uncommon for like graphic designers, or if you think like cooks and chefs, or um, you know even even house designers to sort of love that white or very monochromatic palette. It is a very creative color. I will say though that very specific like white, white, white. Can be demanding and so um you know it, just like any if you think of if you think of any of the elements and there are five of them you've got water wood fire earth and metal if you think of any of them and like in an extreme or in a deficit you can sort of sense what having too much or too little of them in your house can create so you know metal can be a butter knife but it can also be you know a very destructive force i mean it can be you know um, a weapon and so when you think of having all white everything it's like that sort of cutting energy over time to be in so one of the i i like really rich deep colors um just as a preference but they tend to represent wealth you'll hear people say like purples and rich blues and reds and greens all Represent um, wealth, but I like them just because they help kind of ground. They pull energy inward, and in my house specifically, we have really tall ceilings everywhere, so it's a way to counter like just that you know very lofty, airy energy that can happen when there's not sort of an eye line. So it's a way of grounding the energy. Um, There's a lot of different ways to use the colors, and I tell people you know, first and foremost, choose what you love, because you're going to get it right if you do. And then just, um, you know, if you, if you read something, like, say, you're like, oh, I read that, um, you know, green is really great for growth, then just try incorporating it in a small way and see how you feel. You don't have to go overboard. You know, I remember someone reading the map one time, and they saw that wealth, you know, purple is associated with wealth. And they're like, well, I am not painting my entire room purple. And I'm like, no one said you had to. (laughs) It's okay to try things in small doses and experiment yourself to see, did that make a difference? Do I feel better? Like how you feel should be a good indication of whether something
0: is working for you or not. Do you, I I know that with feng shui, there's like, and there's my dog in the background being crazy. <laughs> they're like digging, they're digging into a chair, both of them together, like digging into a chair. <laughs> but um, I know that there's like, there's the 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 strategic planning side of feng shui, like when you're designing something, but then there's also like um, um, band, not band-aids, I'm using the wrong word, but like ways to like. Like remedies. Remedies. Like, yeah. oh, I need to put like construction paper behind the couch or like a little mirror right over here. Yeah. Are, are those hacks or are those? Um... No, there's
1: actually a lot of wisdom in them. And I, you know, I've always explained those as like sort of spiritual technology. It's kind of difficult to explain. <laughs> it's difficult to explain how or why they work But I would just throw this back to remember, I worked in DC, I have a master's in communication, I'm, I'm a friend to logic, (laughs) definitely cerebral. And there's no way that I could do that. Practice um, or or work with those remedies if I didn't see them working. Um, it is it is really crazy how effective they are. And there's a lot of wisdom in them. But in terms of like just explaining it on the street, it takes a little bit more understanding of feng shui before you have the context to hold what's really happening there. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different ones. I mean, I was just teaching a class earlier today and I showed, you know, you can hang crystals in the window you know, if you want to activate a space or, you know, um, fix a missing space, like when you look at the bag if you're missing a space, um, you can use little mirrors to reflect energy back that you don't want. Um, you know, there there's, there's all sorts of different ways to work with your space to enhance anything that might not be working for you. So a lot of times people will read something and then they'll be like, oh my gosh, such bad feng shui, like I'm ruined, I need to move, you know, it's like the all or nothing sweeping statement. And in fact, that's what's so fabulous about feng shui is really anything that might not be ideal is just an opportunity to co create something better. So instead of feeling worried, you know, get excited, here's an opportunity to fix something, you know, that's going to enhance your house, which then enhances your life.
0: And you have such amazing ways for people just to get super started in a small way. Cause you have, you have your book, which is simple shway. And then you have, I mean, your Instagram is a crazy resource. And then you have all of these workbooks. Is is it stuff before that? Just like how about you decide, try and make your space look good to you? Or would you recommend like, maybe the first step is learning a little bit first. Well, I know there's actually a
1: really simple exercise. If people can do it, you know, which is, and I say, do it being objective is walk into every room of your space or, or let's even do this. Pick your favorite place to be in your house and then describe it, like describe it however you would. Um, And then go to the place that you don't love so much or a place that you avoid. It could be a closet. It could be a drawer. It could be the garage and just describe it and then replace the name of the space with I am. Mm. And what's going to happen is you're going to see what energy deposits and what energy withdrawals are happening you'll be able to start matching that up. There was very early on, um, I was lucky enough to hear this physicist say that feng shui is the intelligent use of environmental metaphor.
0: Oh, that's so good.
1: <laughs> and so that is That is literally how I got started before I even certified. I just started looking at everything, and it's hard when you're familiar. So sometimes it's even better to bring in a friend and say, How would you describe this room? How would you describe my front door? How would you describe my bedroom? You know, and listen to those words and see where there are matches and again, opportunities to either enhance a feeling that maybe is on tap but could be, you know, turned up a little or to remove or remedy something that's not you know that's not as friendly something that you don't um enjoy so metaphors i'll give you a really simple example because this is one that comes up a lot um, people looking for love right and every single time i get this question i'm like tell me what kind of pictures you have up in your bedroom tell me what kind of pictures are surrounding you in your living room and without fail, there is the picture of them by themselves or there's the you know picture of just one person or one tree like that solo energy is being held in place. And I say that because even as much as I say that I am still shocked when I go to clients homes <laughs> and they've heard me <laughs> and they don't see it. And I'm like, but I told you this already. And it's right there. So it really is like developing comfort with the use of metaphor, and then that objectivity. And you can start
0: figuring out a lot of stuff on your own. That's amazing. So you could also start with the metaphor that you want and go into a room and design it with that, like instead. Absolutely. Of, you know. So when, when you ask the question about, wealth, that is one of the things,
1: I mean, it is such a big word because everyone surprisingly has different ideas about what that looks like. Like not everyone wants a yacht, <laughs> not everyone wants five homes and not everyone wants to, you know, have billions in the bank, like everyone really, when you get into it and the way I work with clients is I ask like, what are your objectives? And I need you to be specific, like it needs to be something that's a little more measurable. But when you get into that there, you have the ability to then align, what would that look like? So one of my favorite exercises for creating wealth, um, and I just did an Instagram post on this is um, creating that as if statement. So whatever that idea of wealth is for you, what would your space, what is something in your space that you could anchor that says as if it has already happened, Mm -hmm. right? And in the book, Deep Work, which I, you know, reread last year um, by Cal Newport, he actually talks about the grand gesture of doing something that is so big, and it has a cost that makes you uncomfortable, because it really forces you to live up to whatever your intention is for that, right? Um, And so we know this, if we sign up for courses to work with people, we invest in things, we show up a lot differently than if we just downloaded something for free, and it lives on our computer forever, (laughs) without ever being used. So, So really to cultivate wealth, what does that look like for you? And what are small ways you can start incorporating that around you? Because that then is now an orchestration with you and you're getting those signals. And then that's how you're going out to the world. And then that's what you're calling to you. And then you come home and you
0: do a little more and that's how you build. Can you give a specific example of that? Just so that people have like a, a starting point of like,
1: yeah, so let's say, Oh yeah, I'll give you one. So one of the very first things I did, and it's super simple was, um, I, you know, I, we were struggling when I came to feng shui. One of the things was, you know, where we had moved, the cost of living was just so much more than we had anticipated. And so we were kind of on a very, money was stretched. And one of the things I read was, you know, buy fresh flowers. And like a lot of people, I'm like, that is such a waste of money. That's so indulgent. But I read the book and then I read it again. And I was like, this is also the easiest thing to do. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go and buy the flowers. And I'm just going to let that be the sign of abundance. And I remember when I started doing that, I remember one of the first times I went in, um, I thought, okay, one of these days I'm going to be able to go and just buy as many flowers as I want. And cost is not going to be an issue. And this isn't going to freak me out so much, but that didn't mean that it removed my concern in the beginning. So I was buying, you know, $4 baby's breath. I was buying, you know, asking them like, what's coming in, you know, this week, or when do you get your delivery? So that something would last like three weeks, like I was really trying to be strategic and, um, you know, not spend a ton of money. And that's what I started doing. Like that was one of the very first things I did. And for people wondering what changed, um, you know, we had moved, And my husband's job required him to travel a ton. We couldn't get our girls into a preschool because they were all full. And within like three months, he had gotten a new job and his salary had doubled. And my girls, I'd gotten a call from the preschool. We really wanted them to get into. And they said, it's the craziest thing, but we have two openings in the same class, same day. Do you want them? I mean, it was like those kind of coincidences that you're like, oh, maybe that was gonna happen anyway. But I wouldn't wanna go back and try that. (laughs) And so, and that was, you know, we didn't have a ton of money. I couldn't go, I couldn't hire a consultant. I couldn't, you know, um, do all the things in the book. I couldn't treat it as a checklist. So I was like, okay, fresh flowers. Why? Because when I go into really like really wonderful boutique hotels, or I go into department stores that I love, they always have fresh flowers that does represent like that opulence and luxury and wealth to me. And that's what I did. And I and today I buy all the flowers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That is so good. Um, well, so this podcast is called Business is a magical practice. So we don't just use our spirit uh our spiritual practices and our magical practice to boost our business, but we also use our business to evolve our soul and to like be that in and of itself. Do you have any any experiences with that that you can point to? Like, give me, give me a little bit of an example. Um, so on one side of it, you can, a lot of people will say like, I use my meditation practice in order to have, uh, be sharper in my business, or I, I do a abundant spell in order to do better in my business. But we can also use our business as like a ground to evolve spiritually, because it it is like this playground of (laughs) opportunity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I would think, you know, that's one of the things was last year I found myself, you know, I think 60 plus podcasts and I decided this year I'm going to teach. And that really is like a spiritual practice for me because there is, you know, there's, I mean, obviously I'm sharing wisdom and passing it on but it's also an opportunity to meet people where they're at and so in the process i'm edified because i'm you know in service and i'm learning so much about you know my own business in the process of doing that because i'm learning okay Here's where we could do that better, or here's how I need to set up boundaries differently, or here's what would really enhance, right? And so it's it's maybe a back and forth between the two, but I feel like that is like I was just teaching earlier today ways to cultivate chi for yourself, like as a self care practice, and and for me, clear intentions um, with what I'm doing, and then teaching are ways that I actually cultivate my chi because they do help me feel better.
0: Mm, that's yeah. awesome. I love that so much. And um, one final question that I like to ask people is, what have been your favorite purchases for your business and for pleasure recently? I've Favorite purchases. Oh my gosh. And you're asking me on the
1: heels of a COVID. Well, so, okay. So I did just kind of go a little crazy and bought some workout clothes, um, like to make me get out of the house. Like that was, and I do go for walks and that, but I was like, I need a little more, like I need to push a little harder. So anytime I'm doing any sort of business goal or Trying to create something I haven't done before, I try to match an exercise with it.
0: <laughs> Ooh.
1: And so, you know, and I, I like running, I'm not one of those people who's like going to find the most difficult thing, but like I did CrossFit for a short amount of time when I was writing those workbooks. Cause that felt like such a huge, like out of my comfort zone. And as soon as those workbooks were done, I was done with CrossFit never to go. back. Oh, that's so interesting. I've never heard of anyone doing this. Um, but yeah, so for, for, um, you know, going the distance this year, I was like, okay, I'm going to start running. So I bought, um, I bought workout clothes and let's see my favorite. Favorite thing that I bought for my business? Well, um, this isn't the most recent, but I had a desk made, um, a wood desk. I found someone who like did everything like, you know, cut down, you know, had the wood, the trunks. And I mean, it's, I wish I could show you. It's beautiful. um, And it doesn't have any of those man-made lines. It's very, you know, has all those like nice curves. um, And it's one of my favorite things in my business. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, that's so special. How, how perfect as a metaphor, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I mean, and
1: I'll say this for desks too. For anyone who's working at a space that um, feels really small, get yourself to a bigger space because, you know, it really keeps you from it, you know, that opportunity for expansion. And if you're at like a really big kitchen table and you're feeling like there's too much, find a smaller desk. So, you know, it's like this Goldilocks situation, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, and what is that a metaphor for, or what is that the significance of that? Your
1: desk is a, is sort of like a creativity landing zone. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to be able to feel like it's just bigger, you know, just big enough that you feel like you have to stretch a little, but not so overwhelming that you can't keep up with everything. And so, you know, when I talked about um, clearing it, it's about making sure that the, you know, that there's room for inspiration to land. I think everyone's familiar with this if they've ever gone to school and procrastinated on a project. And then at the last minute, they're like, I've got to clean my desk.
0: To my room.
1: <laughs> The same thing, you're creating room for the muses to show up. And that's, you know, it's the same thing with your desk. It's, it's creative, sacred space. And in fact, um, when I was writing um, some article years ago, I found that one of the top rituals that entrepreneurs share is a clean desk it is absolutely a necessity for them
0: interesting
1: yeah so if you don't want to do it for the feng shui reasons just do it because the entrepreneurs are doing it
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it so you're you're super prolific in your writing and your creation and your sharing and you give so much value um is has that always been the case or is that something you cultivated
1: Um, I would say to people that, you know, no, I have to sit my butt in my chair, just like anyone else. And I have to do it. That's that sort of rallying spirit, like this is non negotiable. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that the more you do something, the easier it gets. I don't know that it's like I just get these downloads and, you know, I write something out and it's done right away, but I know how to stay in it. I know what to expect when the writer's block shows up. And I know that a shitty first draft is okay, that I can come back to it and it'll be great. Like, there's a lot that practice teaches you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then the other side of that is when you have, cause I've been doing this, you know, for f- 15 years, um, you can always go back and pull stuff. <laughs> and repurpose it you know and so there's just like there's so many benefits to staying with something and you know making the effort especially on the days that you don't want to um because there are a lot of like bonuses and benefits that come later down the road so i would say writing is only if it seems easier to me, it's only because I have cultivated that practice, not necessarily because, you know, I'm just one of those mad geniuses.
0: <laughs> I mean, you did go to school for communication. So I did, sort of it was very, it was very technical and dry.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sparkle, right. Yeah. But no, it certainly helped. I mean, again, I have like, it, that goes back to that practice. Like I put myself in the seat and I just, you know, I know how to
0: deliver. Mm, so good. So where can people find you and work with you and go deeper with you and learn from you? Cause now you're teaching. Yes. So the best place
1: to find me is either over on my site, simpleshway.com. Like you said, Instagram, I agree. I'm crazy generous over there. I oh. offer a ton of information. Um, and if you have the time and the patience to scroll, you can learn quite a bit. Um, so those two places I'm Amanda Gibby Peters at Instagram. Those two places are great resources. I am starting to do group consults. So for people who don't, who can't afford to work one-on-one, aren't ready to make that investment. I created something new this year where you join a class and I walk you through, um, what a consult looks like from my end, but you do the work. You That's figure awesome. it out. So, where I'm currently in round one, I have 26 students. It is going fabulously well. So, I anticipate we'll be I'll be doing an, another round of it um, probably uh, spring, and um, and then obviously, if you want to work one on one, you can get that information on my site as well.
0: Awesome. That's simple Yes. Yes. And then there's the S-H-U-I. book. It,
1: yeah. The book, Simple Shui for Every Day, 365 Ways to Feng Shui Your Life. That's actually a really great starting point. Um, it's super simple Feng Shui tips that you can do without feeling overwhelmed or like you need a ton of supplies. It's not a book that's designed to start on January 1st, and like, unless that's how you prefer it. But it is great because you can... Choose what resonates and you can start like cultivating that practice in your life in a way that doesn't feel way too, uh, you know, too like esoteric or I don't really understand what I'm doing. It's very, very practical.
0: Awesome. So do you have any, um, closing wisdom for us before we shut down? (laughs) Uh, you know, all I would
1: say is, you know, if you, if you're like, okay, I want to do something today. I would say love up on your front door, love up on your kitchen, love up on your bedroom. Um, your bedroom represents you signaling to the universe, your priority. The kitchen is your wealth and well being, And then your front door is where you're calling opportunity. You do that and you're going to see a shift.
0: Hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Amanda. It was so fun to talk to you and get like, you just are a wealth of wisdom. So I really appreciate you sharing and your generosity. Thank you for
1: having me. This was fun. And I, and I hope everyone tries to do at least one thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And go, go over to Instagram and comment on Amanda's stuff, Amanda Gibby Peters and let her know what you're doing to boost your business. (laughs) Yes, please do. Please don't, don't, don't lurk talk. No lurking, please. (laughs) Awesome. Have a great week, you guys.